This is a Fubar Radio podcast. For more information, go to foobarradio.com. The Joey Page Show, every Wednesday from 2 till 4 p.m. Hello, I'm Joey Page, and I host the Indie Alternative Psych Music Show on Fubar Radio every Wednesday from 2 p.m. You can also expect a little slice of punk and ska and a few other bits of hip hop and things like that as well. I speak to bands, musicians, and even your favourite venues and record stores. What we've done is we've put together a top lineup of past and current interviews. If you want the full episodes, which feature me babbling on like this and all the songs, then you can find us on the Fubar Radio website. However, each of these special little episodes which are exclusive to Spotify and iTunes will feature the best of the best up-and-coming bands as well as our favourite ever guests. On this episode, a really nice chat with Shane who have become one of the biggest bands in the UK since I spoke to him. I'm not saying that I had anything to do with that but maybe I did. I had a chat with Gaz Coombs at Stand and Calling. Marika Hackman who did two takeover shows of mine when I was away is also on this episode. Really wonderful person to be in the company of and also... Brian Jonestown Massacre. Did I get a word in edgeways? Not really, but what a tour de force Anton was. So uh, enjoy those. Here you go. Joey Page's full show is live every Wednesday from 2 till 4 pm. What a treat now to be joined by Gaz Coombs. He's Hello. under the hat and the glasses. He's right here. Hi. How you doing? I'm all right. Yeah, good. How are you? Good. Yeah, really good. Good. So, I had you on the show not so long ago, and then that night I came to see you at the Palladium, and can I say, one of my favourite shows I've seen in such a long time. I thought it was absolutely incredible. Oh, thank you. And how was that for you? Because I felt like being in that space where everyone sat down, I mm. thought it would be so hard to get everyone going. Did that? It's a tricky one because you kind of like, you know, the, the, there's an element of the audience kind of waiting for some direction yeah 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 from from on stage as to how they can behave yeah how they should behave they're in a theater but, but you know part, i kind of like it at times if it is that sort of it depends what song i'm doing you know yeah it's sort of the early on of the set it's kind of cool for them to be sat down but there were there yeah there was a point where they had to had to get them up just to kind of get the vibe yeah but, but there was great. also a point where like some guys who were like really there to like have a good time almost getting slightly yeah. frustrated that yeah. they were the only ones standing up and then yeah. eventually everybody was up and it but it's it was such a good gig to gigs but yeah. it, it kind of just it played itself out beautifully it was and everyone really good. got up and it was just a beautiful night yeah i love yeah. that i love that gig yeah i thought it suited like your your sound as a solo performer so well like all the soundscapes it's just so beautiful right. and oh, such nice a one. Thank a you. really memorable gig, so Great, I was really man. blown away. Oh, and cool. uh, excited to see you here today. Yeah, it's good to be here. Yeah, I've just driven up from uh, Cornwall. We were there last night doing a, doing a festival, so raring to go. Are you, though? Stage. Because what I want to tell you, because you work so hard and you're always perpetually like on tour at the moment. It's like, is it hard to get yourself up for it? On the, or when you get to stage time, do you just kick uh, in? Or it's got, I just really look forward to it. It's kind of... But, it's just sort of great having this band that I've got as well. They're just such good players, and it's just a, it's just a sort of pleasure to be on the stage playing with them. And um, and the new songs are all sounding great. You know, it's it's taking them to a new level, and um, so I couldn't be happier, really. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, you've got to kind of fight the fatigue, but that's just you know, been doing it for a long time. You get you find ways of doing that. And any maybe, any maybe secret maybe tips? Lots of drugs. Lots. <laughs> No, 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 just, you, know, you just find ways of kind of like reserving energy. That's what right. I do, I kind of like a... Like, you know, like a like, sort of lion or a lizard, yeah, exactly. just like... Or like a sort of animal. In come alive in the moment, so yeah. you've got to, and then, yeah, lying in white, Gazcombe's exactly. lying in white that's, backstage. That's, that's, 
Um, will you uh, check anything out at the festival? Or do you very much just focus on your own stuff? As you're all here about quite me. early. All about yeah. Well, why not? But apart from me, uh, I've just been enjoying the bootleg Beatles. Oh yeah. Sorry, I've been enjoying the bootleg Beatles. That's been great, and uh, they're such good players, man. The voices sound amazing. I remember seeing them like ten years ago, but I didn't kind of didn't really take it in, maybe. But it's just bonkers. Yeah. I don't know. They've just honed it in. So amazing. But yeah, I will be watching what I can. Yeah, have Dreamwife been on yet? No, I'm going to go and see them All in right. a bit, actually. Yeah, I'd like to see those guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah, they're great. Yeah, they are really good. And you talked about your band and how you just really like playing with those guys that yeah. are in the band now. So where did you assemble your band from? Like, Did you know them from previous projects or who have you got? Kind What's going of, on? Kind of, I mean, it's, it's, I've been with a few of them since the beginning of my solo stuff, mm. you know, since 2012. And then it's just kind of evolved over the last few years. And, um, uh, but yeah, you know, the current lineup is just really, really kind of nailing it. It's, uh, it, the shows have been great, you know, yeah. And also, like, this album, I feel like even more than the previous two, this album has really, like, caught fire almost. Like, everybody seems to really love it. And also, what I've noticed when I've been doing interviews is now people are going, oh, I'm trying to, like, create a kind of Gaz Coombs sound. So it's like you're getting almost this reputation because these soundscapes and this beautiful layering that you do, right. it's really catching oh, well, on cool, with, like, you know, young musicians as well. So Well, that's cool. I guess they're just try, I just try and articulate a freedom uh, of expression. You know, and I just think it's beautiful when there's no rules. Um, you know, and you can just kind of construct mad ideas and mad sounds. I always think the kind of point where it gets tricky is kind of making it coherent and not rambling and not mm. self-indulgent. You know, and I think that's where you've got to kind of, you know, step away from it and look at it, uh, you know, from a different angle. Is it hard yeah. to kind of step away and go right? That's not quite right there, or I've done too much on that. It's time to stop fiddling with it. Or... Really? No, 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 not really. You just have a feeling. I just have a feeling it's kind of not quite right or there's too much going on or you just have that feeling and then you just work at what to do. You know, or like a painting, you know, I'll just kind of, you know, you can throw a lot at it and build up layers and stuff and then I just kind of start scratching away and, and finding a new base for it and um, and, and, and it sort of constructs itself. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah. And so, what's what's next? You, obviously, you've got a few more festivals and a bit of touring and that. And then, will you have a break? Will you crack straight into another no, record? I'm on holiday in a few days, actually. I'm a little break for a few weeks through August. And then, um, yeah, back to more festivals. Uh, festival number six, uh, Victorious in Portsmouth, a few others, I think. And then, um, uh, October UK tour and Australia, New Zealand, America in September. And out of yeah. those places, is there somewhere where you always like, I can't wait to get there, that you go to quite often? Like, Well, I haven't been to Australia for years, so I'm very excited about that. Whereabouts are you going? Can you know uh, all over or uh, certain sort places? Of, yeah, just kind of Melbourne, Sydney, uh, um, I think Perth. Uh, oh, great. Yeah, I went to yeah. Perth. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. So looking forward to that. Nice. Are you the kind of person who writes on the road, or will you just kind of tour and then get home and then see what you want to do next? Um, no, I don't really do too much writing on the road. I tend to get into that zone of playing live shows, and um, you know, it takes a different mental strength for me for some reason. Uh, so no, I'll get all the touring done this year, and then and then um, you know, take a little break, and then just. But then I'm sure I'll be diving into new songs, and you know, I've got new ideas, and there's even a few other projects that I'm looking at. at um, at starting so okay. yeah, yeah there's lots, lots ahead and so do you like to really keep 
be, do you feel like you always have to be doing something, or are you someone who can go right? I'm going to have a few months. No, I'm, I'm going to do a nothing. Procrastinator as well, you know. I can sort of, I can easily kill three weeks, um, you know, watching movies and, and um, you know, eating good food. But you know, you just get, I just get a feeling, you know. I, I just, it's like almost like an internal clock that tells me to start doing something. Yeah, yeah. You know, just kind of get, get working, get writing. Uh, so no doubt, yeah. As I head into Christmas, I'll I'll be working on a few new ideas. Christmas number one, of course. <laughs> yeah, it's always there. There's the possibility. Also, I saw on your Instagram when you was going through. I might have been Heathrow Airport with the little mini piano that was there. Right. And you just cracked out a little quick bit of all right. Did just people stop moment. and stare? Did people know what was going no, on? It was or? too quick. It was literally just. Uh, because that's what it looked like. It just looked hilarious that you would do that and then disappear. Phone out and bash it out quickly. It was that's hilarious. really good. It was more for the boys, really. The yeah. boys in the band. I really enjoyed it. It was great. Kind of having a bit of a laugh together. But yeah, these things are quite funny when they just yeah. seem to connect with people in a way. Because um, probably there would have been one or two people who just went... But yeah. like everyone else no, would have been like, what? It's so quick. Sort of businessmen. Nice. Kind of strolling past thinking, who's that, who's that idiot? Yeah. It's, it's him. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, listen, it's been so nice to talk to you face to face. Such a big fan of your work, and congratulations. What a brilliant album. Thanks, man. Appreciate nice it. one. Cheers. Cheers, man. Thanks nice so much. One. Cheers. Joey Page's full show is live every Wednesday from 2 till 4 p.m. All right, so here we go. I'm really excited to have this very special guest joining us on the show. I'm delighted to welcome to the show Marika Hackman. Hi, Marika. <laughs> Hello. I did that in my best radio voice as well. That it was intro. very good. Thanks. Just trying to be professional. So, uh, where are you? Are you just out in the sun having a nice little Yeah. Little I'm just, yeah, I'm at my house, sitting in the garden with a cup of coffee and it's sunny, so it's a pretty nice start to the day, actually. Cool. And what are you in the middle of at the minute? Are you have you got a show tonight or yeah it's, it's like I'm kind of in between shows we've got tours coming up I'm going to America in a couple of weeks we've got festivals kind of most weekends um, but apart from that I'm just trying to kind of start the writing process really for the next record which sounds must sound weird obviously because it feels like the last one's just come out but you kind of have to get on these things as quick as possible so, yeah um, yeah I'm trying to do that and it also just takes ages like I imagine you finished the last one ages ago and it just took ages to come out that kind of yeah, thing. exactly. Yeah, yeah. And so festivals and stuff. Uh, you're doing Latitude, right? Yes, yeah, yes. I am on Friday. On the Friday, I'm so gutted. I'm not getting there till the Saturday because I really wanted to come oh. see you. But so, but I doubt they're going to move it for me. So, uh, <laughs> when you go and do festivals, I, I'm sure you're probably too busy a lot of the time. But do you stay on and have a bit of a good time there, or are you like pretty much in and out? It really year? depends. I mean, like I saw the Glastonbury a couple of weeks ago, and I stayed for the whole of that because it's Glastonbury. And yeah it's fun and um, I really wanted to stay at Latitude as well so like I love that festival but unfortunately well not unfortunately it's a good thing but we're playing Benicassim on Saturday so we've got to kind of just go and go out uh, um, yeah. but I'm also planning on staying at End of the Road so it's, it's something that like I haven't last you know five years or whatever playing festivals I used to just kind of go in go out and just be done with it and kind of want to go home and chill out but actually this time around I'm trying to just kind of get as much in as I possibly can and really kind of have all the experiences of festivals um, yeah. especially the more chilled out ones yeah of course. So let's have a little chat about your record. And I know that you'll have had uh, had many questions of this ilk about it. But <laughs> obviously, uh, and I read that you just kind of didn't really have any sort of preconceived ideas of what you wanted it to be like or like trying to achieve a certain sound. And obviously that's taken you in a completely different direction yeah. to, your, to your last few records. Now that the, the record's kind of in the bag and it's out and it's doing really well, do you feel like you're going to follow that mould or do you feel like the stuff you're writing is now 
almost slightly going back to your other records a bit what's your gut um, feeling I think I mean I kind of want to change with each with each release so that was kind of the only thing I knew in terms of like preconceived ideas about making this second record um, was that I wanted it to sound different mm. and I think I'm going to try and go into this record number three with the same attitude but at the same time I don't want to force anything yeah. I, don't, I hate listening to records where you can tell someone's just trying to kind of like force themselves to adhere to a certain idea of like what genre they think they should be in next and I, I'm going to like obviously let the songs kind of lead the way in how I treat them in the studio yeah. um, but I do I do kind of strive to, to challenge myself and do something different with each release obviously it's a, a, a real departure from, from your other work but I just love it so much and, and when you see an artist do something really different you're like oh I hope it stays like like for example uh, I don't know if you've ever heard How by Black Rebel Motorcycle Club. No, I it's like a really different to all their other albums. And then I was like, and then they went back to like how they, like their other kind of stuff. And I was like, oh no, like that's one album that's like really special to me. And I'm, there's not going to be anything the like of it again from those guys. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, I mean, I think it's about kind of releasing stuff that's different and seeing kind of what's working for you and kind mm. of um, just like taking in all those learning experiences that you have and then pushing that onto the next one rather than just like you know, one kind of random one, then, oh, you know what, I'll just go back to my comfort zone and, and sit down with an acoustic guitar again. So yeah. I, d I definitely don't want to make another We Slept At Last next. Yeah. Certainly not. Sure. And uh, obviously you recorded uh, this album with your, your friends, uh, The Big Moon, which is some great friends yeah. to have. Um, and I've seen that you're going to America with them uh, to do yeah. some shows. How much of that that just happened by fate and how much of that was you and those guys going, we want to do this together, help us do it, make us do it to like your managers and stuff? Well, we've, we've done some shows before anyway in America. We did South By together. Which, yeah. It worked really, really well, like playing shows with those guys. Obviously, we recorded it that way. Like it just, it really gels together. Yeah. So I think obviously, you know, on a kind of really boring business level, but touring in America is very expensive. And so for both of us, I think it just made a lot of sense if we could sort of like join that together, kind of help each other out and get out there together. And then it would be also a lot of fun. And the shows would just be probably or hopefully pretty awesome <laughs> yeah <laughs> because it's like it's obviously pretty rare that you get to go with like your really good friends yeah so no, yeah i mean i can't wait i really really can't wait is it gonna be it's hard to awesome. keep a bit of a lid on it is it gonna be you're gonna be like oh this is almost like a holiday for us now like you're just gonna get a bit carried away with the fun element of it or are you really quite professional um i think it's i have a good balance i yeah. think we all do also you know it's, it's tiring and and I think that's quite a glamorised view of like touring where it's all like fun, 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 fun. But I think obviously if you're around people that you like love lots and get on with and find really funny, like that does take the edge off the kind of more tiring, tedious aspects of touring, like sitting in a van for like 10 hours. Yeah, of course. And I just want to ask you about, you've got this thing with your album artwork, right? Where there's hidden items, 31 hidden items. And if your fans yeah. find them, they win a prize. Has anybody managed it yet? Yeah, I think we've. I think there's been more than one. So they're kind of. It's you get put into like what would it be called? You know, like a, a prize draw. People, but a prize draw. That's the one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's a, yeah, people have achieved it, which I was quite impressed with because considering that I actually, along with Tristan, we we wrote down all of the things that were going to be like the linked up bit yeah. that you could click on. Um, and then I tried to do it when they sent me over the, the finished web, finish website and I, I couldn't find number 31. Like, I, I couldn't do it and yeah. I designed it. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm very impressed when people do actually do it. Do you know what the prize is or have you kind of gone, right, we'll do a prize and if someone gets it, I'll work that out? Or did you know? Uh, yeah, I think it's going to be um, like a, a tape with a personalised, one of the songs on the record, like personalised to that person. Oh, so it's like a completely so unique recording that will only exist 
and what like one of them will only exist in the world. That's amazing. Sorry, my producer just put a cake. I was like, no, a tape. You said <laughs> you said a track, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah that, that, that's much more in keeping with it. Uh, do you bake? <laughs> <laughs> Is there? A, could there be a cake as well? There could be a cake. I mean, I haven't baked for a while, but uh, maybe that could be for the runner-up prize. Yeah, that's a good runner-up prize, I reckon. And can I just ask you a little bit about a very particular song on the album, because it's my yep. favourite track on the album, and it's just got such a sinister undertone to it. And I almost feel like you're going to be getting some royalties for that at some point because someone's going to do one of these like murder documentaries, <laughs> like making a murder and use this as the soundtrack for the titles. Uh, okay. c- cigarette. Oh yeah. Um, what can you uh, tell us about that? What was you? What was going through your mind when you wrote that? Um, well, I think I was kind of just. Um, I had a very like strong visual in my brain, which is quite weird. I just like kind of almost like Sin City esque yeah. escape with like, um, but obviously kind of. It's about like relationships and when it starts to kind of like break down, you start fighting and stuff. So it was weird. I just had this very clear image and also like a burning car. I don't know why that was there. Yeah. Um, so I guess for some reason that just like led the way. I mean, the guitar part was already written. I'd just been like noodling around and kind of came up with it. And then I think I almost wrote that song in like a few hours, like one afternoon. It was one of those ones that just kind of happened. Yeah. Um, and, and then I like it. We kept it really stripped back just so it could be like a sort of interlude on the record, like a very dark, weird little interlude um, to give a moment's breath before it kind of goes back into the, the hectic second half again. Yeah, sure. But yeah, I really love that. And Thank you. As you just said, like, uh, before you go back into the hectic kind of second half, are you really enjoying yeah. having a bit more of a like hectic stage show? And like, has it led to any sort of cliche rock and roll tendencies like have you done any crowd surfing you smashed any guitars <laughs> um, well I'm certainly enjoying it a lot like I've, this is the most fun I've had touring and playing shows like it's, it's been an like, amazingly fun experience yeah. um, I haven't crowd surfed or smashed any guitars I don't really agree with smashing guitars um, just because that's a waste really it's a waste and they're really lovely instruments and I just I would like I love my guitar and I would never smash it um, um, but crowd surfing who knows well that, yeah, I'd, I'd, nice I'd, strong crowd. that'd be great to see so you've got a strong relationship with your guitar does it have a name it doesn't actually have a name I remember when I the first show I played with it which was like four years ago at the Great Escape because she came from America got shipped over and I kind of got out of the box and then played the show and I think I said at the show that it was called Gertrude or Gertie Gertie like, very nice I've, I've never actually called it that again but right, I guess okay. that's probably what it is called because that All was right. my initial gut reaction nice alright so lovely to speak to you and enjoy your coffee in the sunshine thank you very much nice one take care thanks so much for that you too alright so now we're going to play Cigarette by Marie Hackman the song that we was talking about in the interview Parking lot, I'm in the car's lot. I didn't want to let you in. When did it get so forced? Drunk by the second course. The Joey Page Show, every Wednesday from 2 till 4 pm. What an absolute 
juggernaut, some real um, rock and roll royalty. Uh, I'm very, very excited to be joined now by our very special guest, uh, Anton Newsom from the Brian Jones Town Massacre, as well as all the many millions of other things that he does. Uh, Anton, how are you doing? I'm, I'm doing pretty good today. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. It's, it's a real honour to have you on the show. And uh, where are you today, Anton? I'm, at Ber- I'm in Berlin. You're in Berlin, yeah. and that's where, yeah, you've, where I live. you've lived for a long time now, about 10 years, is that right? Yeah, over a decade. Yeah. I really like it. Yeah, it's great, isn't it? Mm-hmm. What, what made you decide to move there in the first place, and, uh, if you can remember? Well, you know, it's kind of a mixed thing. If you, there's political reasons and there's other things. You know, I saw the writing on the wall a long time ago, the direction that everything was going. I tried, uh, I tried to end up in Iceland, you okay. know, but um, the, the economy crashed in 2008, and yeah. uh, I don't really have the same financial concerns as other people. Like, I didn't have a, a trust fund or anything, but, you know, I worked nonstop since I left home and um, in the type of work that works for you. Mm. Like, I don't specifically have to work anymore. I work because it's you know something i love you know and, and, and which but, we will um, get on to because that is a real you know your your appetite is, is insane for how much you work but yeah but um it, the short story is you know i just figured this is the last place that they could act like fa- fascists even if they were recording our phone calls and whatever right. they got to do keeping track of the bad guys yeah you know that that life would go on because of the history of and the legacy of national socialism and, and the Stasi and all that stuff that people are really on guard about civil liberties and I like that. There's a lot of uh, personal freedom here for yeah. me. Even even though on on a civic on a civil level, you know, you have to register where you live and there, there's tabs kept on you. I don't find it that obtrusive. I understand. And yeah. and and obviously the complete opposite to what's going on in your in your native America. Yeah, you know it's just absolutely ridiculous. But uh, you know, just to to touch on that briefly, um, you know, people think that it's just there. Now this is this is happening in Australia and other places too. There's people gunning for the UK right now, mm. and it's outside forces as much as it's. Uh, you know, people from the city of London and these little cabals. You got to remember, they, it's been proven now that they manipulated the Cambridge Analytica. That's a UK firm, and they manipulated Brexit before they did the USA election. That was like a trial run. Yeah. Well, they use uh, the, the same mechanisms with Ocean and all these programs, you know, and the same things in the media. Of, well, of, you know, uh, it, it just came out this, uh, this week somewhere. I read that um, basically the. The Brexit campaign has actually been proven to be illegal because they spent way over what they they should have done on it. Do you know what I mean? Like they broke the but, rules, but, so therefore. But also, they manipulated they manipulated people through Facebook and all these different things, where they singled out both sides and and fed false uh, news and directed fake postings to people on either side of yeah. the issue, and they basically manipulated public opinion through the media and also through social media. And that's been proven. The thing about it is, you know, Facebook isn't a... They they refuse to sit before the House of Lords inquiry on it. They're accountable to no one. Mm -hmm. You know, and here you have these foreign people manipulating um, politics in the UK, and they're not accountable to anyone. And the people since, you know, Magna Carta, they they couldn't foresee this stuff. So there is no actual penalty. (laughs) When the Guardian first started talking about it, people have been busted, (laughs) busted in London for nicking a packet of, like, smokes and went to literally went to jail you know and, they, and these guys are like rigging brexit and there there's no 
specific penalty for it. So it's no. kind of, you know, but, also, but whatever. But I, I, my personal take on it all is like, I'm a real sort of escapist and I just think like, oh my God, I always find all of this stuff so intense. And so yeah. I sort of tend to bury my head in the sand a bit and escape by doing things sure. like listening to music sure. and stuff. And, and you are clearly yeah. very, very passionate and very vocal about this. Well, see, actually, what I, what I, what I want to say is, what I want to say is there's an illusion that all this stuff's going to flip around in four years or two years or whatever, the next by-election, mm. and it's not. And that's what I'm here to tell you. Yeah. And then we can move on to whatever you want about music, and, and I'm fine with that. You know, and it, because uh, at the end of the day, I do want people to interact with the arts, and I support the arts, and the way that I appreciate the arts is, uh, uh, you know, I'm, uh, you know, I put my own money into it. You know, I don't run a commercial studio. So I support the art, art yeah. by actually supporting people physically with my own money, reinvested in it. And I I I'm, uh, work with the guys in the Black Angels. You know, I brought Levitation to France, helped coordinate that. And, you know, we, we work on all this stuff, you know, endlessly. But um, at the end of the day, you know, I, uh, what can I say? You know, I think there's a duality. Uh, you know, but we don't have to talk about well, politics. No, it's not you know, that. But I, I guess what I wanted to ask you was, is because you are so mm -hmm. sort of entrenched in it and you take such a, you go through it all with a fine tooth comb and you're very, very invested in it all, and, you know, talking about the fascism and all that kind of stuff. Do you find that that drives you on to making work or do you find that that is like something that almost wears you out a little bit? Because I, whenever I well, look at it, I just get so sort of like wound yeah. up or tired well, or to, depressed that when I try and be creative, well, I have to just put it away. If you look at like growing up in Surrey or something or in London, the way that the class system imprints has, has an effect on you lifelong, right? Mm. You know, and you feel that it's a completely different thing growing up in, in a place like I grew up where there's actual real Nazis entrenched in it yeah. <laughs> since World War II. I mean, they captured Nazis. They became the space program and those guys kept working and the ideology is, is a part of our government, except now it's like this hybrid where they're really doing it. They're really using the mechanisms of the propaganda and riling people up, and it goes yeah. right down the line. Now, it's not the guys with the funny mustaches. It's more where the corporation, like the Italian style, where the corporation merges with this hybrid of the state. But, you know, this is happening in Australia, and it had a great effect on me. You know, when I, when I was like six years old, I realized very quickly even with my family owning like all this stuff in Newport Beach, which is kind of like Beverly Hills by the sea, owning all this property and stuff, I knew that I had to be such an asshole to live there that I wanted nothing. So it really drove me, and I knew that I didn't want to be like any of my friends, you know, trying to be like Sid Vicious or whoever it was. I wanted to just become my own person. And uh, once I left home, I knew that there was no place to fall, you know, which is an interesting thing. It's like, it wasn't that I couldn't move back and kiss up to my grandparents and say, well, I need a flat, you know, or any of this stuff. It was that there was no way that I could do it. And see? There's no way I could live, yeah, with, yeah, live sure. with myself. Because of how you feel about yourself. Yeah, there was yeah. just no way that I could I could fail. There's no way I could kiss up and get a job. People used to offer me. I used to work, you know, on the boats. It was cool, you know, like cleaning yachts when I was a teenager. Right. Or I would work, you know, um, as a plumber's apprentice or something, you know. Yeah, yeah. And these people used to say, Anton, you're so good. Why don't you just drop this music thing? I'll get you a truck. You'll be able to buy a house. Be happy. And I'd be like, no <laughs> you're, you're fucking insane well that's really you know, good like, that you've stuck to that because obviously you've given us so much good music and it's like and i think everybody you should a hundred percent do the same do you know what i mean like i feel yeah, like we, but, 
with me like i right. I, I was a electrician's uh, apprentice and yeah. uh, i like that was that was going to be a career for me and then like because as well as doing uh, the radio i'm a stand-up comedian so it's like i have kind of stayed even though i don't do very well money-wise i've stayed at it because that's you know what i want to do not even i could go and earn money yeah of course yeah yeah and you know the interesting thing about it though that people the the listeners have to know is you have to be realistic it's like you could row your boat as fast as you want but if you can't bail water if it's leaking faster than it's coming in you're gonna sink Mm -hmm. so you have to be realistic like i can't tell you how many great drummers i've known in crap bands, and they're in there they're in it because everybody gets along but they you know, like whatever ambition they have dies. They get to be out 30 and then they sell their drum sets. And I, I, I've just known a million of these of guys. Of course, yeah. You know? And it is difficult, it, but I think you have to have the drive. And obviously, clearly, like as well as the talent, you have to have the drive. And I see people uh, picking really shit names for their bands and it dooms them. I don't care like what kind of music The Cure would have ended up playing. <laughs> their name was so good it's like what what is your ill here's the cure yeah. you know what i mean they were bound to succeed with that name alone and I, in my record label i try and tell people i go okay i've learned something i can sell a shitty record with a great cover and you know yeah <laughs> but i can't sell a great band with a bad cover so i don't care what you think is good for you it has to be decided outside of your opinion you know right, your opinion yeah. unless you come up with something bingo because everybody is visual this social media mode of taking selfies and it, it, it's just an overload you just have to have an angle on everything of but, course uh, anyways, and I'm a, i think I'm that's very important you direct us. no 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 yeah, i think that's so important like like people have to think about the look and the aesthetic and that is just, you're absolutely right that is as equally as important as you know being good because if you haven't got yeah, those you, things you around it you're not objective. gonna yeah yeah, um, yeah, but there's there's all sorts of legs on this table, you know, because the the media tells us what's good, and it's so important that we work together. You know, it's, it's like an e- ecosystem, and that's why I have so much respect. I hate Jack White, you know, but I have so much respect <laughs> that he's, he's went out there and tried to help people, and he has. Yeah, you see, it's such a it's such a brilliant thing, and people have to get back to that of helping out their mates, and and I tell people. Don't worry about trying to get a gig in London. Go to a pub like the Kinks did in the Stones and Yardbirds and just say, look, we're doing this thing once a month called Soundgasm or whatever the hell it is. And then, you know, make business card flyers and pass them out to pretty girls. Yeah. And have one band play. Nobody wants to hear 20 bands play. Have one band in a place of records, even if it's Spotify. And just have a reason for people to come to the back room and move it around. And get, yeah. get outside of your neighborhood, you know, in the UK. That's the weird thing, too, is everybody's so tribal and like you know my mate I, 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 somebody would be be playing you know in Liverpool like somebody insane is coming right it could be anybody right mm. and I'll tell my mates in Manchester you gotta go see this band and I'm not going like, over no there yeah in, no fucking way and I'll be what do you mean it's it, it's literally three quid three and a half quid to yeah. get on a train in 30 minutes they'll be like no I'm oh, like, why? people are so lazy there. in this I'm, country for that yeah I know <laughs> Yeah. No, but the hatred—it's just crazy. I think a lot of that comes from football, you know, because obviously, like Liverpool, Man United hate each other. It's yeah. like you—you you wouldn't go to certain. I don't know if you would. I think maybe, but like, I think outside of London, it's much more like that. Do you know what I mean? If that—if they dislike that team, they're probably mental. not going there, which is mental. But it is because it's such a big thing in this country is the football rivalries. I think that is. A, yeah, but shows are shows. Great I know, shows right? But uh, like, I think that that mu- that's what I would put it down to. If you ask me off the top of my head, that's what I'd say. Sucks. Uh, <laughs> there you go. But I think you're right about 
you know, it's it's good to just play some records sometimes as well, and uh, rather than yeah, well, we overload gotta, it with we bands. Gotta make, uh, since you know, we couldn't get any shows, so I started renting out Masonic Temple because it was pay to play in San Francisco, and that's how we started. Yeah, and even before that, I did similar things of breaking into warehouses, and then it was like rave times, you know. Yeah, and I knew the older kids that. You know, like my friend Michael McFadden was a groove merchant that did Paul's Boutique for with the Dust Brothers for the Beastie Boys. You know, I knew all these cats from Delicious Vinyl and all these older guys. So we were really into that, the danger of it, you know, with the bolt cutters and all that. Yeah, but um, that's great. I've always had this outsider uh, desire just to make stuff happen. And sometimes it doesn't pay off, you know. I bought um these I bring used to bring these bands. I bought um, Bird Strike in China to open for us on, on a UK tour, and nobody even shows up for the opening slot. And it's just like such a humiliation. But I, so t- I tell you what, that is about in this country is because people. Another thing, if it's not football, people are obsessed with with alcohol, and they're like, "Well, we'll just go in the pub because yep. it's cheaper," which is mental because you've yep. already bought the ticket, which means, and that's part yep. of the whole thing. But that is a lot of people's um, mentality is well, to go it's finances. It's finances. They men they've cut they've shut down thousands of pubs your grandfather used to be able to drink every night of the week because oh, yeah. your grandma wasn't having it and now people <laughs> can't afford it I'm they not everything <laughs> well yeah exactly yeah. but you know they changed they changed it you know it, it, beer in Germany is 50p at the shop and then it's like you know it's it's a couple uh, you know it's a, it's a couple euros to drink uh, you know out you know so yeah. it's a totally different scene you know I think but I'm gonna let you direct this because I could go on yapping forever no I'm, I'm loving it but I am gonna I'm gonna pull you up on one thing and you've, it's up to you you don't have to say but uh, just out of interest why do you hate Jack Wyatt his whole deal got started by Long Gone John I was business partners with um Greg Shaw who, who got Long Long Gone John from Sympathy for the Record Industry set him up because Greg was the king of the underground, right. Bomp Records, and I was business partners with him. Jack hated me from square one. In Dick, he slashed our tour shit. Now, Meg totally loves, loved us and still loves us, dated my drummer. Right. But Jack has been a prick to us uh, out of jealousy. Of course, he surpassed us. Like, if, if your goal is sheer fame and rock and roll and an acknowledgement and, and having your song Seven Nation Army and fucking um, every footy and sports match around the world, man he passed me up by miles right but that's never been my goal i wanted to enter the popular lexicon as a guy who did something which was make it okay for people to play music in a folk thing in the way i got triggered by the post-punk people yeah because paul mccartney and all the 60s guys never showed me shit about how to play music because i didn't have a grandpa playing folk music next to me so I never thought, I taught myself how to play piano, but I never thought I could do it. Then I bought like all these synthesizers and stuff to program, and then everybody's calling me a synthesizer faggot, my mates. Because right. they didn't understand. So I yeah. never saw Depeche Mode. I, I love Depeche Mode, but never saw that coming. Never saw that they would sell, that they would sell 100,000 tickets to see them at the Rose Bowl. Legitimately. That wasn't, <laughs> that wasn't like a record company, like giving them away. That's 100,000 people in Los Angeles dying to see Depeche when they were at their peak. Yeah. That is crazy. That's bigger than Wembley. That is crazy big. Yeah. See? And they are that big. They are massive. So I never thought that was going to happen. I never thought the DJ thing was going to happen. I never thought Katy Perry was going to make it past a a different, uh, I kissed a girl. There's a lot of things I never saw that would happen. 
you know, because my mind just, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm on a different frequency, see? So, can I ask you about that? Because one thing that, like, I admire so much is your output is insane. And, like, you're not just putting out yeah. a load of old rubbish. Like, it's good, real good stuff. And so, like you said, you know, you don't have to do it. Like, you're doing it because you have an urge to do it. But what, how do you have such a great work ethic? And what inspires you to make albums? Because uh, I do genuinely think uh, that something else is actually something else it's like a real brilliant album and i really like it and it's as good as anything you've done so you've clearly still got loads to give the music world and music lovers yeah and so what inspires you to a uh, make stuff and b to make stuff in such a prolific fashion yeah there's another one coming down the pipes i, just I know started yes a new group uh, there's an i just started a new group with uh, emmanuel sangay and uh lionel and marie from the limianas a french super group okay and it is fucking crazy good it is so good it's insane she that's roman polanski's wife singing she right. is so good and, that um, sounds exciting. anyway and i got the test record it really is exciting but um what i wanted to say is there's multiple sides to it one of them is i'm not done doing whatever i want to do which for me is keeping open a clear channel channel of communication to accomplish one goal until the day I die. That's uh, that's going to be absolute, mm. you know? It's working, you know? I just got on CNN, all this other shit. <laughs> you know, I'm completely banned from American media. I'm not allowed on TV. And somehow, Anthony, before he passed away, got me on, and probably be- because he passed away. I don't know. But um, that was a, a neat trick. But um, for his for parts unknown, that's the biggest TV show in the world, it was, yeah. in that time slot. And, you know, I, I didn't want it to be about me. I was, I was just trying to produce Primal Scream, and then they had to do this Pokes thing, and they kept switching the dates, the producers, and then I got Riot. I was going to produce an EP for Riot. Booked the flights, the hotel. It was canceled, so then I had to do that. Blah, blah, blah. The other thing is, is you know, like I just said, I want to enter the popular lexicon and make it clear to people about two things that um, we, we basically have to invent the culture that we want right now. You know, I'm, I'm about ready to maybe produce this real sweet brother and girl, everybody want to fuck them, kind of Northern Ireland, little pop thing. Right. But I'm going to change them into this crazy-ass call-in all forces, crazier than my bloody Valentine. But not not as good, obviously. But really, discover something wild with them. So help them to kind of break out and find what they because, what they've got underneath. No, because I explained to their management and them. I said nobody's listen. What's going on in the UK? Grime. <laughs> you know, nobody wants your fucking bullshit. It's not working. Else your last yeah. single would have worked. Nobody gives a fuck, right? Yeah. Like, obviously, people are rocking the urban contemporary culture for whatever their own reason. It's their own ulterior motives of what's being promoted. But uh, a quick look at commercial radio shows you what the agenda is and it is an agenda because it's absolutely the same everywhere i go on the planet earth and i go everywhere there's like so many different people you would think that it would be there would be so many flavors Mm. you know but it isn't like that it's absolutely one one direction i mean you know what can i say but just trust me it's the same with film and everything else it's like there's a <laughs> you know it's very sort of there's a narrow spectrum of what's being presented and what makes it through and it's not the full compared spectrum to, oh, of course compared to what's out there and and so I wanted to touch on that as well like the soundtrack and the scores that, that you've done do you find yeah. that you get inspired by different things when you're working on that kind of music as opposed to when you're working on you know music for for the band or for a if yeah. you're producing so yeah. what what would be like one of the key things that inspires you that's different 
in that setting compared to well, when you're working in soundtrack in a soundtrack situation I really want to work off the film and my just I, I don't really conceive of things. I'm not like one of these guys that sits and bounces the ball and thinks about it. Things come really quick to me faster than I can identify them. And it's more like I, I'm in a race to document as much as I can catch. Like when you see a game show and somebody hops in the glass booth and they hit the fan and all yeah. the quits are flying around. Yeah, yeah the crystal is down. <laughs> you know, and it's really like that for me. And sometimes I, ideas bounce off that and I go, oh, I could do this here. But I don't really spend a lot of time practicing jamming or contemplating any of it there are some refinements in the mixing process where I'll say that doesn't work but um, yeah everything goes lightning fast so it, you know my, my beef with with film is that people forget the 40 first 40 odd years it was nothing but film and sound there were no talk and people are so worried about spelling everything out and having to be all this this rapid-fire shit that they don't do that and so my beef has been the, the, the cues for music are never more than a minute and 20 second and that affects my ability to make soundtracks like right. as albums yeah yeah in the way Ennio Morricone could you know with his team he of would course. make like this you know and he's got like 500 where he's got these full pieces of beautiful songs because the cinematographers aren't afraid to let a scene go for a little while mm. so I would like to see some of that because I find it frustrating but otherwise but isn't I that just life just, in general like I feel like that's like all kinds of culture and music is everything is like so hyper sped up at the moment that you can't even no, no, no. You have to tell people because, um, you know, you have to tell people because film, you can you can still communicate. There are no rules and people would find that refreshing. Yeah. Wow. I think the extreme, the extreme of it is something like 2001, where it's going like half the film to up to intermission. There's no dialogue or anything going on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like yeah. you're watching for an hour and 15 minutes and there's nothing happening. But, um, um, yeah. You know. And then it starts changing. That's my beef with film. And, I, and I, it looks to me like I, mean, I have a bunch of projects on the burner where people want me to do things. But uh, I want to really encourage them to let the cinematography tell some of the tales so we can also let the music interact with that and really move people. Because I would like to encourage people in this way, you know, where they used to go to a film and they walk out and everybody's coming singing in the rain or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like those those great, great movies. And there's there's stacks of them, but at a certain point, that stopped happening, I think. And and I feel like quite a lot that that's the same can be said for music. Like, you have to, you know, the, the way that it's been produced by, you know, the big companies is, you, you know, it's been around for ages, but the single and the you know the three minute song and all yeah. this kind of stuff. Yeah, I feel like yeah, or like there's some great stuff. I think it's starting to happen now, where it's slowly not always the case. Like where people are bringing out singles and they're maybe five seven minutes long. Do you know what I mean? And they're good it for it. It depends. You know, like Bobby Gillespie, we were in we were in South America together and um, playing, and he told me that he was going to hang it up, mm. basically. You know, like I'd done a remix for him and last year or whatever. And, you know, I called him up on the phone and I said, you know, I went to go cut this thing up and every single part, I was looking for things to toss out and every single part was a keeper. I want you to know that. And I said, what I've just done to this remake, if it was 1992, we would just had a smash hit and kicked um, <laughs> Depeche or whoever off the charts, but they ain't 1992. Yeah. <laughs> We've got no fucking chance. And then 
you know, he started talking to me about like he, he's in the old paradigm of you get the advance, then you, build, you you record the record for less, and then you get some people to re- then you ask for money for remixes, and that mixes the record, and you're trying to pocket as much money as possible in the process. Right. But I was telling him, no, just record songs individually and just blow people away continuously, and then when you get several songs, you, you keep one or two secret, and then you throw the best of the singles and some other crap together and you you know that's an album yeah but you know some some people are not focused on albums anymore and then there's the beauty of albums you know i was trying to explain to oh, people i think I've this had, is why vinyl's making such a good uh recovery though because you are you have to then listen to it as the artist has intended it in the right yeah, order sure it's, too. It, it's 20 minutes or less per side and it's a perfect amount to digest yeah um, and also make that decision whether you want more you want to switch or you want to carry on yeah yeah. Um, but what I, what I want to say is that the Beatles, on the, what I think are the two best records in a way, Rubber Soul and Revolver, all the songs aren't the best songs. They have this way that they put, they threw in a couple. They had uh, the, the singles at the same period of time. Here they are doing like, uh, they've got these crazy like rain and stuff as singles mm-hmm. at the same time, but they're not on the record, right? Yeah. So what they obviously did is they put something to let your brain sort of coast for a minute. And then they throw in this epic song, so you appreciate the epic song. So they purposely put not necessarily filler, but something, but something like just a bit lighter with, and a bit like like in a like good a, film, you know, like, where you like would have ginger, a, a like relief scene and stuff. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's, but it's like the ginger in uh, in in sushi to uh, cleanse the palate for the next flavor. Yeah. Absolutely. So let's have a little chat about your album, uh, Something Else, because I do, I really like it. And so I'd, I'd wonder if you would kind of give us a few sort of maybe um, listening notes, if you would, like stuff that you would want people to know about it, perhaps. Well, the first thing is um, I came back from tour mm. and my management said, well, you know, book Australia and you need to have an album done, whatever, by the end of this month from scratch. Right. This is last fall. If you want to play Australia, because we need new material, and I was like, "Oh, easy for you to say." So I yeah. laid on the couch and did nothing. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So I laid on the couch in my studio, and then my engineer had to go do the new Echo and the Bunnymen. She works for them. I fly Andrea from Liverpool, and she stays with me. Right. So Andrea Wright is from Power Street, so I employ her. You know, which is a great studio. She did Coldplay and all that stuff, and she's just amazing woman basically so she left to do the new orchestrated um Bunnyman record with the symphonic thing and um so i was there by myself so i start writing i i'm talking to will Sargent, and i'm like i come up with this crazy guitar tone and i'm like will i should borrow my guitar listen to this tone or you should come over here and do some overdubs because i'm just always joking with those guys a little bit Right. Ribbing, ribbing them because I didn't know it was this bad, but they, they did. You know, it's like 16 classic songs and two new ones. That's a new record. Right. So I was like ribbing them. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Because they're my heroes. You know, and I'm, I'm, I've got this really black evil sense of humor that's quite mean sometimes. Okay, cool. Um, <laughs> no, it's not cool. I should keep my mouth shut. But anyway, <laughs> so then I'm like, at the end of the week, I'm like, how many songs you get done? They're not even set up. I go, I just finished a whole record. Here it is. Send the files over. So then I, I kept going. What I did is like, when I get on a roll, not necessarily manic, but when I get on a roll, I get on a roll. It could be anything. And I I chosen to make this stuff uh to be played live that that means i wasn't writing symphonically adding anything crazy on the mellotrons like you know it was very 
just the combo of the organ and the, you know what I mean? The band as the band, like yeah. when we set up easy, no horn sounds or anything, you know, no strings, none of that crap, basically. So you're not and recording so, it as live? Well, you know, I'm recording by myself. But yeah, you, you but want I'm it to sound, it. yeah, like it's the band playing well, live. What I wanted to do is, I, what I wanted to sell live, because when, I rec- when I'm writing on the fly, conceptual art, it lives in a live environment with the people interacting. It lives or dies in front of everyone. Yeah, see? okay. Yeah, and that's cool. what, I, what I love about the, the two art forms is they are different. See, I don't try and perfect the, the studio because I don't want to be like the Stone Roses. I don't want to make this thing that can't ever be repeated. I become right, an albatross. Yeah. It doesn't matter that everybody in the world loves the, that first record so much. Here we are 25, 30 years later. And that's all they're talking about, yeah. That, that's all there is. Yeah. See what I'm saying? Yeah, I, yeah, I don't yeah, want that's that smart, to happen. Yeah. So I'd, I'd rather always achieve that, that uh, ephemeral thing. So people just go, did you see that fucking show in Manchester? They're like, no, I saw this show in Hepton Bridge and it sucked. The guy walked right off the stage <laughs> or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. Right? So because it's always changing and moving and then people are always talking in different ways and different... Yeah, smart. So, the songs from both the new albums live, though, are brutally good when they're executed. I just had to fire a bunch of guys in the group and get more professional people. But, you know, for this next leg, leg in Europe, because they couldn't do it. They couldn't do it right. And it's so simple, but it takes that focus. It's like a team sport. It's like, yeah. sorry, you really liked, liked that guy in that number 26 or whatever, but he's gone. Yeah, because you want to you wanna, uh, keep on wowing people and doing, you know, raising the bar. No, I want it for me. But so anyways, yeah. And then so I, I hired this woman to drum, Sarah, Sarah Niedorf, and I just nailed a song every day. So the second record is more this like, you know, Ginger Bakery, crazy your drums because I'm playing the first one. So it, it, it's the same type of composition, but it escalates. And some of the songs are way better. And so I'm really looking forward to um, people hearing this one-two punch this year. Great. Yeah. Well, uh, I wait with bated breath on the second one. I think uh, something else is a really great record. So congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> I, do, I do have one question for you. Go on. Well, you know, I start my own radio program on Soho Radio on Sunday. Oh, dear. Yeah. Ah. But I have... Can you give me a, any advice? Uh, keep talking, you, which you're very, very good at. Keep talking. Yeah. And, oh, and my well, producer said, come here instead and don't go to Soho. Come to FUBAR instead and have a show. So now you're in demand. You've not even done a show yet. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> well, I know you're over here in October, so maybe we'll try and get you to come in and do like a little takeover on my that, show. That'd be, that'd be brilliant. Yeah. All that'd right. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll get my people to talk to your people. Excellent. Nice one. You rule. Listen, it's been such nice, uh, really enlightening chat. Uh, you've been a great guest, and it's been a pleasure to have you on. We are now going to play something from your new album. We are going to play My Poor Heart. Aww. Oh, I really love it. Um, thank you so much for joining us, Anton. And thank you for your time. No, you're and, great too. And you. Have, have a great day. Yeah, it's hotter than blazes. Yeah, same here. Oh, if you come here instead of Soho, we've got aircon. Ha <laughs> <laughs> uh, All right. Nice one. Thanks, Anton. Cheers, mate. Take Bye. care. Bye. This is My Poor Heart by the Brian Jones Town Massacre. The Joey Page Show, every Wednesday from 2 till 4 p.m. 
So yeah, all good stuff. I'll tell you what is good stuff though. The fact that I've got one of my favourite new bands in a very long time. I've got Eddie from Shame on the line. Eddie, are you there? I'm there. How you doing? How you doing? All right. That was such a hammy radio thing. So I knew you were there because I just spoke to you about two seconds. I know. It's all right. We've got to keep people guessing. Yeah, that's right. Eddie, so I've read loads of like interviews and stuff from you guys just in preparation for this. And I know that you're from South London, but I've not seen anywhere whereabouts. Whereabouts did you guys grow up? in South London? Well, we grew up um, dotted all over South London. I'm originally from Streatham, which is just up the hill from Brixton. Uh, And we started out in Brixton at the Queen's Head pub on Stockwell Road. So we spent the vast majority of our our mid-teens in Brixton. Nice. Going to the Brixton Windmill, the venue where we played more than anywhere else in the world. So yeah, Brixton was like our honorary home those years. And and my current home, in fact, I'm from, well, I'm not from Brixton, I'm from Bexley, but I live in Brixton. And then my old co-host on the show, he used to live Oh, he still lives, but he's not on the show, so I talk about him in the past tense, like he's died oh, nice. above the big Tesco's in Stratham. So, oh yeah, yeah, that massive fucking Tesco, that's huge. That used to be an ice rink, man. It was sick when I was a kid, and now it's a bit of crap, obviously. But yeah, I know, keep telling him that the value of his house is going to go down as soon as that becomes like a derelict old oh, yeah. supermarket like they all do so yeah I've been trying to I've been chasing you guys around for ages like you was in Australia about a week before I was and at one point oh, I was yeah. be there at the same time I was like yes I'm going to get to see them live and then I ended up going there a bit later and I missed your gig uh, and you've basically been all over the world pretty much since the album's come out and obviously there's a massive sort of furore around you guys because you just seem to be so like real and honest and do you know what I mean you just kind of say what you think and you kind of yeah like most let's be honest like most 19 or 20 year olds and I just wonder what you kind of put that down to why you're not another four of these 20 year olds are into like EDM and and memes and things like that I mean don't get me wrong I can still appreciate a good meme when one is oh I'm sure you can but um, yeah I mean I think it's more it's more just the case of we've always understood the importance of honesty in music and secondly things that would otherwise be really cool but they're just completely false Mm. there are some bands on the circuit at the moment I'm not wouldn't name names but there is just a sort of false air about what they do and to me that's a really unattractive thing as like someone as a consumer of music any level of dishonesty or pretend is just kind of insulting to the listener or anyone that's consuming your music in any way so I think for us we've just always had that important idea of being honest about who we are and what we do I, I guess, don't think I guess ever, it's just a never tried that's to... what the music industry kind of wants from people isn't it even though that's yeah. not what, what most people that are a bit music savvy want to be given do you know what I mean yeah that's the thing I think that there's like a there's an element of glamour about the music industry that people are still trying to uphold and a lot of bands are still trying to like live out their dream but like the fact of the matter is I'm standing by a couple of bins that <laughs> think the high heaven on the phone to you and it's not that fucking glamorous so. <laughs> uh, have you got another option of where you can stand other than by the bins not really not really I think this, this is my, it's either that or just the rest of the band taking bollocks so I think <laughs> I'll put up with the smile but I mean I, I get what you're saying because like my this radio show is supposed to be like new alternative music and it gets kind of coined a lot as indie but it's like that conjures up that image that you were just talking about that I don't think anybody really wants so I like try very carefully to not be pigeonholed as that is, as in the kind of music I play because I would I actually want people to listen to the show do you know what I mean yeah absolutely so, um, 
and like my mate turned me on to you guys and i just couldn't believe it like i i remember very vividly where i was like he was like oh you gotta have a listen to this and i put it on and i was walking from Wapping to old street and i think i managed to listen to that. yeah i know but i was like trying to get in i'm getting married in the summer i wanted to get in shape i was like i'm starting to try <laughs> thanks yeah i was just like oh right i'll give this a go and i think i listened to it three times in a row and it's like it seems like such a vital honest sound i was like i didn't know anything about you guys like personally and still That's don't great, as guys but i was just like yeah i i believe in these guys even though i didn't know a single thing i don't even think i've yes. done that i don't even think i've listened to it three times in a row <laughs> i wouldn't listen to myself though and think that though so maybe that's why but yeah, you know yeah. what i mean when you just hear something you're so excited about it so like i'm genuinely over the moon for you guys and how well it did in the charts and stuff thank um, you very much man yeah now i read a fun little thing about when you guys were in america and obviously some of you not old enough to drink being in your 20s over there yeah. and the fake id situation yeah that was pretty funny did you have one yourself, Eddie? Um, when we went in November, my cousin very kindly let me borrow his driver's license. Right, okay. So that, that, that saw me through. Because um, I know that, that Charlie pretended to be a truck He's still not 21 he? yet. He had a really funny fake ID. He's still got it. It says his name's Charleston Bean. His address is MI5. His birthday's Valentine's Day and he can legally drive a truck. Amazing. So, so yes. And uh, what was more amazing is that it worked literally everywhere and it looks fake as shit. Well, I guess it's yeah. just, you know, red tape. And it's, if they can see a, just any ID, they'll be like, yeah, fine. They're not really bothered. Yeah, just sign and recline, baby. That's it, yeah. So, that brings me on to, if you had an alter ego, Eddie, yeah. who would you be? If he's if he's Charleston Bean, who would you be and what would you do? I'd call myself Jefferson Steelflet and I'd just go around, like, nicking copper wire and shit like that. You know, because my, my old man's an electrician, copper wire is not worth as much as it used to be. Oh, really? So maybe but rethink what, that, what, yeah. what should I get in? Titanium, steel, could move up to Sheffield and just start nicking steel. I don't know. Yeah, get yourself. There's a lot of possibilities. I've not really given it much thought, to be honest with you, mate. No. No, that's all right. That, but I thought I'd spring it on you. Before I let you go, because I know that uh, tonight you are at the Electric Ballroom in London. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, indeed. Then you've got you've got loads of dates, and you've been almost perpetually touring since the album came out. Is there is there any countries that you're going to that you've not been to yet? Because I know this is like your um, second time yeah, to there, Europe. There are a few, some of which I'm not allowed to say because they're unannounced shows. We're going to be going to a few countries that I've been to before. Like um, in June, we're going to be doing a festival in Moscow. It's going to be our first time in Russia. Which Exciting. Good luck with um, that. <laughs> yeah, minute, fucking yeah. day before day before the World Cup as well. Nice. So that'll be interesting. Yeah. Gonna it's... keep our heads down. Yeah, and just to get someone else to open all the doors for you, I guess. Yeah, I uh, think that's a shout. Alright, well listen, thanks so much for coming on. Massive, no massively impressed with your debut album and like it's just such a joy that you're making the kind of music you are, so keep going. And Thank um you. I will hopefully catch up with you guys at Stand and Calling because I'm gonna be down there working for the station. I know you guys are on, so I'll try and catch you for a little chat and a catch up. Brilliant, alright, yeah, come say hello. Yeah, will do. Nice one, thanks a lot, man. Have a good gig tonight. Alright, see you later, bye bye. Cheers, thanks, bye. Bye. There we go. Uh, that's Eddie from Shame, and we're going to play some Shame now. I'm going to play Lampoon from their debut album, Songs of Praise, which is out now. So this is Lampoon from Songs of Praise, and I'll be back after this. Well, I hope you enjoyed that little mixed bag of interviews taken from my FUBAR radio show. If you'd like to listen to the full show, which includes features and all the songs from all the artists that you've heard in these interviews and many, many more, then tune in every Wednesday from 2 till 4 live or go to foobarradio.com for the podcast.